Welcome, everybody, to this week's Torah portion teaching. And this week we have a double harshest. We have Tazria and Metzora. And uh, we got a lot of stuff to get into here with this teaching. I want to let you guys know that the Roku channel is uh, coming, should be up by next week. So be on the lookout for Light of the Messiah. Uh, that channel will be available on the Roku probably next week. We are very much looking forward to that, and we're looking to have other uh, teachers, both Jewish and Christian, to also be a part of this venture with us and to uh, have their teachings up on um, this platform. So very exciting stuff. Make sure to go and check out guitarrabbi.com as soon as that is uh, up. As soon as the Roku channel's up, there will be a podcast episode right up there, as well as a video for those of you guys watching on Rumble that will uh, alert you, you know, as soon as the channel is live and we will give you the links to add it for free and all of that good stuff. All right. So these Torah portion teachings, as well as our topical teachings, will be right there. Very exciting. We're looking forward to it immensely. Um, I was having some green screen issues today, so no green screen today. But uh, that is perfectly fine because we are all about the message as opposed to that of uh, – you know, making sure that, you know, everything's flashy. You know, some people put a lot of focus on that. We try and uh, up our game in terms of um, the quality of content as well as the look of the content. But, you know, you really don't need all the flashiness and all that stuff, you know, because it's about the words that are being taught here that are the most important. So... This week, as I mentioned earlier, we have a double Parshas. We have Tazria as well as Metzora. And we're going to be looking at one of the core principles of this Parsha. And we're going to start with Vaikra, or Leviticus chapter 13, verse 13. And it says, Then the priest should examine it. If he sees the Za'arat, has covered all of his body, he should pr pronounce the lesion ritually pure. For since the person has turned completely white, he is ritually pure. Okay. Now, first of all, one of the things that we see within our English Bibles is that this um, condition known as Za'arat, as well as Metzara, they are often translated as though they are, um, it, as though it is leprosy, uh, you know, the medical leprosy that we end up seeing talked about pretty often here. And I'm going to go deeper into my slides here because this is a premise that we have to understand, um, really quickly in terms of this that maybe the translation is not the best, okay? And this is from Rabbi Samson Hirsch. And he says, Za'arat was treated by priests rather than doctors. It shouldn't be interpreted as a medical problem at all, but rather as an exclusively spiritual 
ailment. When we start this Parshas, the thing that we end up saying is that Miriam is not speaking so greatly about that of Moshe Rabbeinu and of Aharon. This is, and then we start to see that the people are afflicted with Za'arat as well as Metzorah, which are spiritual conditions that manifest in the physical. And the thing that we will see through this, and the thing that Rabbi Hirsch brings up in the slide that we ended up putting up there, was that uh, this is a spiritual condition. And what is the spiritual condition? Well, it's interesting because the second Parshas is known as Metzorah. Okay? That Torah portion is Metzorah. This is a spiritual affliction that is manifest in that of the physical. There's this premise of Motsi Shemra, which Mitsora is an acronym for Motsi Shemra. Okay? Lashon Hara is something that is true. Okay? Lashon Hara is true, but it's used in a way to afflict damage on someone. It is used to afflict damage on someone. To make them seem as though they are not the greatest. It's to demean somebody with their words, despite of the fact that it is true. One of the things that we end up seeing in the book of Revelation, it says that the Satan is the accuser of the brethren. What does he accuse us of? Our past. Constantly has us look at our past. Constantly brings up the past. Tries to demean a person. That's what the Shanhara is. Motsi Shemra, however, is not true. Motsi Shemra is uh, going and talking about something, someone as though it is that they are out there to demean a person by saying things about them that are untrue, lying about them. That's what Motsi Shemra is, okay? We're getting back on track here. I am so sorry. I got so flustered after the little uh, technical issue. But one good way that always helps to get me back on track is to go to another slide. Sanhedrin 97A is going to take us in a different way of looking at this verse, but it's even more important. It says in Sanhedrin 97A in the Talmud, the Messiah will come when every government becomes heretical. Rabbah said, where do we see an allusion to this in scripture? From the verse, he has turned completely white. He is ritually pure. Just as when the affliction was spread throughout the entire skin, the person is ritually pure. So too, when the governments have become heretical, 
the redemption will come. This is in terms of Mashiach ben David, the second coming of the Messiah, aligns itself greatly with that of Sefer HaGalut, the book of Revelation. We see that premise of the governments of the world being heretical during that time. We see that happening in our time as well, more and more so each and every single day. Now, the thing is that with this color that it talks about with ritual purity, the white, this is the reason why it is that we wear a kittle during the time of Pesach, and we wear a kettle during the time of Yom Kippur. Also, notice that Yeshua was dressed in white when he arose from the dead after three days. This is something that is a huge biblical premise, and it relates to the Messiah over and over again. But now we're going to get into what it is that I was talking about a little bit before that in relation to this verse. We're going to go to Sota 5a in the Talmud. It says, the lesson here, healing comes only when you are humble and supple like Ish. And it's interesting because Ish means man, but they have Basar in the quotation there. Basar means the body. A person who is arrogant and rigid like the earth, Adoma, will not be healed. Now, I'm going to leave this slide up because I want, I want to show you something here. It says that when a person is arrogant and rigid like Ha-Adoma, like the Adoma, like the earth, that person will not be healed. It's interesting because. The word for earth, Adama, is also the word for dirt. Aleph, Dalit, Mem, Hey. Okay? Adom Horishom. Adom, which is spelled Aleph, Dalit, Mem, was made from the dirt, from the earth, from Adama as we see in the Hebrew of Genesis. Okay? So, we are to be humble and supple. We are to be without any arrogance by realizing we are lower than the dirt because the dirt is spelled Aleph, Dalit, Mem, Hey, and we are spelled mankind, Aleph, Dalit, Mem. We are less. We had the hay subtracted from us. And we are to be in the state of humility, realizing that we came from dirt. And there was a part of the dirt that was taken away from us to create us. That's major humility there. Major humility. And this plays in greatly to the concepts of keeping yourself away 
from Lashon Hara and Motsi Shemra. For if you see yourself as such, if you see, if you strive for humility, you do not dare speak ill of another person, whether it's true or whether it's not. We've already seen uh, what Rabbi Hirsch said there. So let's go to Vaikra, Leviticus, chapter 13, verse 20. And it says within there, the priest should examine it. And if its appearance is white, making it look deeper than the surrounding of the skin of the body, and his hair is turned white, then the priest should pronounce him ritually impure. For it is a lesion of za'arat that has erupted on the previously inflamed area. Okay, are we going to get to the technical things here of things uh, exploding and all? No, 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 we don't make it gross here. <laughs> but we are going to look at this from Rabbi Menachem, Solomon Mary, who says, People do not see faults in themselves. Think on this. It is so hard for us to do this. If a person does something wrong, he will explain it away. Save, say, uh, saying that it is not a fault. Therefore, it is important that you have close friends whom you can listen to when they point out your faults. There's a mentality that is within the faith-based communities nowadays. We treat Hashem, we treat God like he's a little genie in a bottle. You know, you rub it, you pray, and all that stuff. You know, God, do this for me. Heal me of this. God, help me get through this. God, do this for me. I want this. Do this. You know, pay my bills for me, God. You know, those kinds of things. How do you think that God sees these things when we pray in such a manner? And when it's such a huge influx of people doing this very thing, bless me, God, bless me, bless me. And he's sitting over there saying, well, what, what have you really done for me? God blesses us in ways that are the antithesis of the way that we see blessing. A real blessing is showing you your faults. Saying, you know what? I have issues in this area. I need to work on this. God, help me to reveal this to me. Um, convict me of these things. Oh, that's something that people don't want to do. They don't want to feel the conviction. They don't want to feel the conviction. It, it, it's so much better, so much easier to be a part of an assembly that says, you're great. You're awesome. Do you believe you're awesome? You know you're awesome. Oh, you're awesome. You're perfect. Oh, my gosh. And this is why we get that mentality. This is why it is that slander and gossip are so incredibly prevalent in the faith-based communities. 
We've been conditioned this way. Leaning towards the ways of hyper grace. Don't you dare go and tell me what I'm doing wrong. I'm going to tell you what it is that you're doing that is wrong. And notice how it is that we see this on social media and every other place. Let me show you what that person is doing wrong. When a person does that, what they're essentially doing is they have a realization within themselves that they don't want to tackle. They have an issue within them that they don't think needs to be looked at. They don't want to look at it. They say, get the, get the focus off of me. Look at how bad that dude is. We're better than that. That's where we're at. Whenever it is that we pray, one of the things that I try and do every single time I'm in, I'm in hip dot is I say, Hashem, show me the things within me that need to be corrected. Give me the correction that it is that I need so that I may live for you. Fix my theology in the ways where it is that I'm wrong. Not just fixing my theology, but fix, help me to see where my actions have been wrong so I could fix those things. God corrects me over and over and over again. When I was young in my walk, I had that egotism, I had that arrogance. And in some parts of my life, I still have a little bit of that. And I try and conquer it each and every single day. I don't deny that it's there. I don't deny that I have my own issues. Many people want to take religious leaders. I used to be a rabbi and say, look at that. That guy's got it all together. That's not the way it works. Anybody, anybody who pretends that they have it all figured out, anybody who pretends that they are without sin, be very wary. Be extremely weary. God blesses us through correction. We bless God by correcting those things and not trying to justify them. At least I'm not that guy. Remember when Yeshua talked about that? Yeshua talked to great length about the guy that said, you know, Hey, I'm so glad I'm not like that guy over there. But that's what we do nowadays. That's what we do. We have this straw man theology. You know what? Considering that this guy's wrong about this, and I can prove this because I'm smart. I'm awesome. Um, by default, that means I'm right. That's not the way it works. I'm sorry. Your theology could be the best in the world, but it's all about your, the practice. It's all about how it is that you live your life and how it is that you live for Hashem. It doesn't matter if you're trying to pursue observance of the Torah. It doesn't matter. It's all about the heart. Are you willing to make the changes that you need to make? And the place in our lives where it is that we see that we are in a bad place is when we commit Lashon Hara and Motsi Shemra. It's in that place right there. Because that shows 
that our Yetzahara has taken captive of us. Yet we have not killed the Yetzahara, the inner Satan that we have to kill on a daily basis. This is why within Shulchan Oric, the first thing it says in Saman 1.1, it says, realize that you are in the presence of the king as soon as you wake up in the morning. By realizing that, you realize with the humility that Hashem has blessed you by putting breath into your lungs, that your heart is beating, that you're alive. If we are an egotist, we just say, oh, it's another day. Another day, I've woken up, okay. Look at, the, look at this amazing gift that Hashem has given us. Every single morning, when it is that we wake up, and our soul leaps back into our bodies. Well, the one-eighth of it that is left, according to rabbinic literature. That's amazing. That is incredible. That, that, that is beyond the technology of the metaverse. That is beyond the technology of your iPhone. That is beyond the technology of any sort of device that you may have. And we just sit there and be like, <laughs> that happened today? Sorry to me. Vaikra, Leviticus chapter 14, verse 2. This will be the law of Za'arat, of the Za'arat sufferer. On the day of his ritual purification, his ease shall be brought to the attention of the priest. Okay. Now with this, we're going into a very long section of the Talmud. I need to, it, it, the print is so small, I need to pull it up on my phone here. But we're going to give you the slide. It says, said Rabbi Yochanan in the, ra in the name of Rabbi Yossi ben Zimra, what is the meaning of the following verse of scripture? What shall be given to you? And what more shall be done for you? Lying tongue. Psalms 120 verse 3. Said the Holy One, blessed be he. To the tongue, all the parts of the human body. Stand upright, but you recline. All the parts of the human body are outside, but you are inside. Not only so, but I have set you up as protection for you, two walls, one of bone, the teeth, and one of flesh, the cheeks, which shall be given to you, and you want more, uh, and you, and, and what more shall be done for you, you lying tongue? Said Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Jose Ben Zimra. Whoever repeats slander is, is as if he has denied the very principle of God's rule. As it is said, who has said our tongue will be, will uh, we make um, mighty our lips are with us? Who is Lord over us? Psalms chapter 12, verse 5. And Rabbi Jose ben Zimra, 
Whoever repeats slander, plagues come upon him. As it is said, whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, will I destroy? And everywhere it is written for destruction, Leviticus 25.30, which is translated as permanently. And we have learned in Mishnah Megillah 1.7, the only difference between a Matsara who is shut up and one who is permanently afflicted is the matter of messing up of the hair and the tearing of his clothes. The Hebrew for the words I will destroy and in perpetuity are both derived from one and the same root. Hence the suggestion that since the word is used in connection with leprosy, absolutely the Aramaic version in perpetuity and the word destroy refers to the same thing. The punishment of destruction will take the form of skin ailments described in Leviticus 13. Now this right here really shows why it is that the tongue is placed where it is. The evil. And it's shame for being inside of the mouth, guarded by the cheeks and the teeth. And this word, well, I'm not going to get into that because that'll, <laughs> that'll open up a whole other can of worms. But I will say this, there are some that go and attack God's people that see things differently than them. And this word for destruction is also the word for trickery. And they try and insert that into God's four-letter name. Crazy. Crazy. And whenever it is that we speak Lashon Harem, Motsi Shemra, what happens? We are speaking things into existence. That is a Kabbalistic premise. It's very true. The rabbis say that our words are suspended in the cosmos and they are a form of creation. They create things, both good and bad. Why is it that there's cancer in the world? Why is it that there's sickness? Why is it? that we see just hell on earth coming, and it's because of Lashon Harim Motsi Shemra. We are creating it. We are putting it into existence. We are putting it somewhere in the cosmos, and it affects somebody somewhere. Every single time. That's where it is that we are. These things, this concept, I believe when Yeshua says that the only unforgivable sin is blasphemy of Ruach HaKodesh, of the Holy Spirit, let me 
let me give you my, my, my thought process on this. Many theologians have different takes on this. I'm just going to give you mine. Okay? Doesn't mean you have to believe it. It's, uh, you know, part of Agadab Nidrashim. Okay? It's not, it's not halakha. But it's interesting that the Targums say that in the Hebrew, it says Nishmat Chaim was breathed into Adom Harishon, the breath of life. The Targums render it as Rocha di Kodesha, or the Holy Spirit was breathed into Adam. Meaning that as long as a person has breath in their lungs, the Holy Spirit is alive within them somewhere. They, even though they're the most evil person, could seemingly be the most evil person on the planet, they still have that breath of life that is within them. And so what Yeshua could be talking about here, and I believe he is, saying the one unfor unforgivable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I think he's speaking about Lashon Hara, especially considering that the surrounding verses kind of seem to back that up as well. Notice this is the only sin in the scripture where a person is placed outside of the camp and they come back, they're checked on by the priest. It's like, are you good to come back? Uh, no, no, no. It's so interesting how these things happen because if this were just a natural thing, if it was like they had COVID, okay? Okay, go in quarantine for seven days or something like that, and then you're good. You can come back. You don't have to be tested or anything. You just come right back. Don't, don't have to worry. You don't have to send the priest over or any of that stuff. This requires the priest to go and check on this person. That's very interesting. And this deals with the spiritual affliction. Because if it was regular leprosy, first of all, the regular leprosy does not go away. First of all, it doesn't. But say this was a, 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 a uh, ancient form of leprosy that is not around anymore. Okay. This is why, again, it's a spiritual condition, not a physical one. The priest goes and checks him and says, okay, yeah, you're good to come back or no, you're not. They kind of go back and forth with this. It's almost like that if you go and you have a child, they've done something wrong. They've committed Lashon Hara, Moti Shamra, they hit their brother or something like that. You go and you say, go to your room. Go to your room. We don't want to see you. We're very mad at you. You need to go in there and think about what it is that you've done. Go and do that. This is essentially what God's doing. There is the sin of Moshe Shemra and Lashon Hara within this person, within that of their life. They have committed this sin. They've either done it themselves or they listen to somebody do it, which the sages say a person is just as guilty if they listen to it. Wow. They're saying, okay, let's go see if they've learned their lesson. Then they can come back into the camp. Hey, have you learned your lesson? No, I haven't. That dude that put me in here. You, <laughs> <coughs> you see stuff like that in jailhouse movies. 
<laughs> I didn't commit this crime. It was somebody. I was framed. It was the police. It was the judge. It was my lawyer. Yeah, you know, all this stuff. When they start to speak like that, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, you're not coming back. You know, you, still, you haven't learned your lesson yet. You're going to go back there for another uh, so many days. You're going to hang out over there. That's essentially what's happening. In this Torah portion, a person's being put in timeout. That's what's happening. So they can sit back and think about what it is that they've done. Even us adults at times need to be treated like children. Let's go to the book of Matthew, Yahuwah, Matthew. A good man from the storehouse of his heart brings forth the good. An evil man from the storehouse of evil brings forth evil. Yet I say to you, every worthless word that sons of men speak, they will give account for it on the day of judgment. Again, this deals, I think, with that of Lashon Hara and blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. By your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be liable. By your word, not, not about, you know, you hear so often, I keep kosher. I do Shabbos. I keep the biblical appointed times. Oh, aren't you special? <laughs> that arrogance. This is like, see how much better I am than that guy over there? Oh, oh this is a bunch of stuyot. Says, you're going to be judged by your words, man. You're going to be judged by the product of your Yetzirah. Are you killing that thing daily? Or are you just like, Bleh. you know? How's it going to be? James chapter 4, verse 11. Do not speak Lashon Hara against an Achbe Mashiach. The one speaking an Achbe Mashiach or setting himself up as a Shofet of his, of his Achbe Mashiach sh uh, speaks against the Torah and sets himself up as Shofet of the Torah. Now, if the Torah you judge, you are not Shomrei HaTorah, but Shofret. Ooh. Ooh. And it's interesting because, you know, just a couple of lines earlier, James is talking about, you know, the faith and works, those things working hand in hand, being a product of one another, you know, dealing with the concept of salvation being that of the faith, you know, for faith brings about salvation as we end up hearing about Abraham Aveno when Paul goes and talks about it, that he was saved by faith. But then, of course, we have the works of your faith, the product that is basically pointing back to your faith. Not just sitting there saying, I believe. Okay. I believe. Well, let's go gossip now. <laughs> let's go talk about this person behind the. My gosh. It's all about your studio. All about your studio. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is the Torah portion, Tazria and Metzorah. I hope and I pray that each and every single one of you thinks a great deal upon this premise. And the thing I could tell you is that, yes, even myself at times, I'm still guilty of this. 
And it's something that I have to work on each and every single day. I am not going to ever come on here and pretend to be something I'm not. It's not going to happen. I think that we all need to realize, first of all, the core of the issues. The cores of the things that draws back from really being able to connect with Yeshua in the way that it is that he wants us to connect with him. Sometimes we have these walls and the Yetzirah as well as the product of which Lashon Hara and Motsi Shemra are the things that are <coughs> the wall between us and Hashem. All right. Thank you for joining me here today. Make sure to go and check out guitarrabbi.com, the Roku channel, um, the uh, um, the Light of Messiah will be available next week. All right. Shalom, Baruch peace and a blessing. Shalom.